0: affirmation track, matching birth affirmation cards, and you get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot, totaling $247 worth of goodies. Head to myessentialbirth.com forward slash get started and join me in the birth course today. Happy Mother's Day. Welcome to the My Essential Birth podcast. I'm Courtney. And I'm Stephanie. And we're professional doulas, childbirth educators, and the creators of My Essential Birth, the holistic, empowering, online childbirth education course helping mothers everywhere confidently achieve their best birth. So join us each week as we share tips and advice for all things pregnancy, birth, and beyond.
1: Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you can be the first to get new content. And head over to www.myessentialbirth.com for more information about our birth course and to join a community of mamas just like you before we get started we would like to invite you to leave a review for this podcast in itunes it's a brand new show and it's really important in the launch of a new podcast to gather reviews Will you please help us spread the word by leaving a review so that more mamas have a chance
0: of finding this podcast when they search for one? We read every single review and we promise to keep doing that. We love what everyone, all of you ladies have been saying about the Pregnancy and Birth Made Easy podcast here with My Essential Birth. So thank you everyone for your continued support.
1: This week's review of the week comes from Mrs. Hawk 08. She says, I am obsessed with this podcast and I've been listening nonstop for about a week. I'm already on episode 14. The ladies are so sweet, ah, funny, and encouraging. I'm 26 and been married for almost five years and my husband and I recently decided to start a family. I'm so glad I found this even though we aren't pregnant yet because it gives me a lot of great ideas and knowledge already. I've been a little nervous about this whole process because I lost my mom in 2018, and I was feeling like pregnancy and birth would be really overwhelming without her. I feel like this podcast really provides the confidence women need going into it because it makes you so well-informed. Stephanie and I both read this. We're like, we just want to hug you, Mrs. Hawk 08. Just give you a big hug. Thank you so much for tuning in. Congrats on your decision to start a family whenever that's the right time for you guys. We're so grateful to have you listening along and that you feel that you get a lot of good information from it. That is always our goal.
0: And 100%, we want you to feel supported. So if you are out there and you are listening to this, feel free to DM us. And we are happy to help you walk through this as comfortably as possible. Um, And I do want to take a moment and appreciate what it means to not have a mother present, whether that's because she physically can't be present or maybe she's emotionally checked out or in this case where she just is not there at all. Um, I, I do think there's something to that generational we come from our mothers, we're birthed by our mothers. And so I completely respect and appreciate the process that that is. And truthfully, hadn't even stopped to consider what that might be like if my mom could not be a part of it, even though I choose to not have her in the room (laughs) for the birth, that kind of thing. Um, But I just so much respect and appreciation and love goes out to you and to anybody that's dealing with that situation.
1: Take comfort in the legacy that you're creating for your own children through their own um, birthing stories that they'll get to hear fondly from you one day. But also draw from the collective mothering that women give each other within the birthing community. I think it's truly powerful.
0: So this week is all about newborn procedures. We're going to mention several of them, but we're going to dive deep on just a few. Um, So these are all things that happen like right after baby is born. So you have some decisions to make kind of like literally the the second baby is born. Um, And then some things that follow within the first couple hours after birth, things that might make it to your birth plan or things that you might need more information about. And so we're going to get into a few of those with this episode.
1: So we're kind of going to go in order of operations here. The decisions that you need to make first and probably the The first one from the minute your little baby is born is all about delayed cord clamping. So as you can imagine, um, coming from their belly button, there's a cord, the umbilical cord, and it is still attached to inside of you to the placenta. Now, in order for baby to more easily fit through the birth canal, they leave about one third of their blood supply behind in the placenta this blood belongs to the baby. It is their blood. It is not your blood. And so as the baby is delivered and laid on your belly or chest, their umbilical cord is pulsating with blood, sending the blood that's still left in the placenta to them. If we were to cut and clamp the cord right away, baby
0: is deprived of about, like I said, a third of their blood. So what we recommend is because we want baby to get all of that blood is something called delayed cord clamping. So that means, just like it sounds, that you delay the clamping and cutting of the baby's cord until the cord goes white and stops pulsating. Now, this can take, honestly, the stopping of the pulsating and all of that up to like 30 minutes. It can take a while. Which is unlikely if you're in a hospital that you're going to get that amount of time. However, even just waiting a couple minutes till it goes white, like we said, and maybe pulses less will be way more beneficial for baby. Um, On top of that, something that maybe you don't hear a lot about or maybe you've never heard this term, cord milking is a thing. So I have been to Burt's where I have seen this and it is very frustrating to me and I'll tell you why. But basically what the doctor does is after baby's born because they know, oh, these parents want delayed cord clamping, which means this cord has to be white, is they hold on to one part of the cord and push the blood towards the baby quickly. Milking it—they're trying to think hurry of the process. Milking along. a cow, yes. Yeah. Um, and so, doing that though—if you think about that—if you got an influx of blood, what would it do to you? It increases your heart rate. Like it—it just—it's a little too much, too fast. And so, allowing nature to take that process on its own is really important. So, if you know that this might be an issue for either your hospital or your provider, absolutely have the conversation about cord milking prior to the birth, and have either dad or a doula or somebody there with you that knows that you don't want that specific process to be looking out during that time because it's a very busy time, right? You push your baby out. Everybody's excited. Dad's probably crying and looking at you so excited. You're probably crying, right? All those different things, you want to be able to have somebody focus on the things that are important to you once that baby's out.
1: And like Stephanie mentioned, a really good compromise, especially in a hospital setting, is, you know, they might not have the 30 minutes to wait, but a good compromise would be about the three-minute mark. You know, please delay cord clamping at least three minutes um, with no milking of the cord. And you can put that specifically in your birth plan, but yeah, you definitely want to have that conversation ahead of time prior to the birth.
0: Yeah. And, and just some quick notes really quick about um, delayed cord clamping. So it improves oxygen and iron levels for baby and the World Health Organization recommends it for every birth. So if you ever come across any kind of gruff <laughs> that you might be getting in regards to that, you can kind of just pull that out and just say, well, World Health Organization suggests that for it's every a birth. a best practice. So, yes.
1: Another context, and we sometimes don't like to think about this, but let's say that your baby is born and they have some respiratory issues, Um, maybe they they're not taking a breath as quickly as you want, all the more reason to allow them to continue to receive that oxygenated cord blood and to try and do as many procedures with the cord still intact right next to you as possible. Um, at a certain point, you're going to trust that the baby team is going to do what they feel is best and necessary for your baby. But um, you know if it's an issue that they're taking a little bit longer to have that first breath, then we definitely want them to continue to receive that oxygenated cord blood.
0: Yeah, I think kind of in line with what we're talking about here is immediate skin to skin. And this isn't necessarily a procedure, but there's so many benefits for both mom and baby to have the baby go immediately to your skin. So when we're talking about delayed cord clamping, well, obviously that's easiestly done if the baby's still attached to you. That's what that means, (laughs) right? So putting the baby on the belly or the chest um, instead of clamping, cutting, removing baby from mom, getting them washed up or whatever the case, all of that is really, really possible. It regulates body temperature for baby having baby come directly skin-to-skin has benefits for both mom and baby for baby It helps regulate their body temperature and having baby close to mom's breasts even nuzzling nearby not even nursing yet Helps um, to increase the oxytocin the flow of oxytocin which increases those postpartum Contractions and helps the uterus clamp down to expel the placenta with less chance of hemorrhage.
1: We often get asked well, how long should we have that immediate skin-to-skin time for. We like to say at least 45 minutes to an hour of uninterrupted time if necessary, putting off anything that's just really not urgent. Your baby doesn't need to be weighed and measured and poked and prodded and all those things right away, this is such, even from a psychological standpoint, it's just a very sensitive window of time where there's a ton of bonding going on in addition to all the physiological benefits that Stephanie mentioned.
0: Yeah, I feel like it can be a little tricky, you know, like when you're at a hospital birth and everybody, because they all have their individual jobs, are very like, they're on top of it and they're yeah. ready to go and they want to make sure they're doing their best. Um, but I, it's very, it's interesting contrasting that with like a home birth where things just move so slow and there's kind of this like sacred piece about that space. Um, It can be recreated in the hospital, but I feel like it's just a little busier. And so making sure that we focus on those important things up front, Mm -hmm. I think, makes a huge difference.
1: So after your baby and you have had that skin-to-skin time, there's going to be three decisions you'll need to make for them specifically um, pretty quick. One of them is in regard to the hepatitis B immunization. This is a vaccine that protects against hepatitis B, which is a sexually transmitted infection. Unless you specifically decline this vaccine, it will be given to your baby.
0: So in the birth course, we give this long list of basically here are the CDC guidelines directly from the vaccine information sheet about hepatitis B. Like Courtney mentioned, it is a sexually transmitted infection. So if mom and dad don't have it, your baby's not planning on having any sexual encounters with somebody who does have it or using a needle or using a needle drug use your baby. Yes, that's real. <laughs> um, then maybe you choose not to get it now to be fair. I, I am very like both sides on this thing, which, you know, we try to do a hundred percent. Um, I think a lot of times parents are are of the belief like, well, why wouldn't you get it? Um, I don't see any, like, very many risks to it, so I would like my baby to be protected from this. And so if that's the case, then that's the decision you make. But I think it's fair for you to have all of that information, and so we'll put a link to it in the show notes, but you should check out the CDC guidelines so that you can look at the vaccine information sheet um, and go over everything on there to decide if this is something that you want for your baby for yourself. You also have the option, even if you don't do it at this, like, immediately after baby's born, but you choose to have it early on. It is um, offered again at their very first visit, which is just within a few days or a week after having your baby.
1: Like Stephanie mentioned, I understand why parents choose to let their baby receive this immunization. Um, Personally, we chose not to. My husband and I both knew that we didn't have hepatitis B or any sexually transmitted infections, um, we anticipated that our baby wouldn't come in contact with people who have it. And so to us, it seems like an unnecessary interruption, particularly within those first couple hours after birth. So just be aware that it is something that you
0: get to make a decision on, whatever feels right for you and your family. And if you have any questions or you want to go over this more when you're thinking about this or you research, make sure to shoot us a DM. This is stuff we are totally happy to cover um, on our stories or we'll do a live for you guys I think it's really important to have a conversation about these things instead of just being so one side or the other that we're not taking time to think about what we're doing for our babies and our bodies the next one is the vitamin k injection Um, and interestingly enough I think evidence-based birth and I'll put a link to their um To their information on this as well but I think they did a really good job of going over the evidence for or against getting vitamin k Um, I know here in the United States no oral vitamin k has been approved by the FDA now when we were overseas in Germany our second baby did receive the oral vitamin k which I had chosen and decided that that's what I would like to do. But because we were connected to some American territory, when I took them into the pediatrician visit on the American side of things, they said it was required of them to give the baby the vitamin K. Now, um, we also planned a circumcision for this baby. So the oral vitamin K is not alone is not recommended if you're having a baby who has a circumcision. So they almost always, or they always do the injectable vitamin K for that. So So know if you have a boy and you plan on circumcising that um, the vitamin K injection is what baby will receive and likely in the United States, that's what they would receive. Anyways, um, I know if we're going on both sides of things, women or parents get concerned about adding anything into the gut. The purpose of vitamin K is to help
1: clot the blood um, and prevent any kind of internal bleeding. This is particularly important if babies had traumatic birth, and you can't see me, but I'm doing air quotes when I say (laughs) traumatic birth. Um, They worry about things like hemorrhaging on the brain or little nicks and cuts where the blood isn't clotting very easily. So vitamin K is given in an effort to help stop any kind of internal bleeding or bleeding like that.
0: Vitamin K is naturally found in a decent amount in colostrum, but less in breast milk. So if you're um, concerned about this at all too, making sure to breastfeed right away. There's a lot of good benefits. This is one of them. However, like we said, specifically in the United States, an injection is typically what they plan to do. And along with that, you can request a preservative-free vitamin K injection.
1: You're also going to need to make a decision for your baby about whether or not they receive erythromycin, which is an eye ointment. Now, this is put over baby's eyes, usually within the first hour of birth, unless you specifically decline it. And the idea is that it's an antibiotic that would protect against any sexually transmitted infection that baby may have um, come into contact with while going through the birth canal the infections being gonorrhea or chlamydia.
0: And the reason that this is given across the board is, as I understand it, things like chlamydia may not come up. A lot of women can have it and not know it. And so it's just like a safety precaution that they give it to all babies. There is a small chance that baby can be allergic to it. And I actually have been a doula for a woman that she was like adamant that her baby would not receive this because she had an allergic reaction after she was born. Um, However, generally, it's just like any other antibiotic. The um, risks are fairly low. But again, if you're in a monogamous relationship, you don't have gonorrhea or chlamydia, you know your partner doesn't, you know you haven't, he hasn't been unfaithful, she hasn't been unfaithful, and so you don't have to worry about any of that, then you do have that option to not include that in your birth plan.
1: Yeah, our thought process, again, when we had babies was with our first, we just asked that they wait until he started to fall asleep after that first hour or two of bonding um, before putting it on the eyes. And then with each subsequent kid, we just decided, you know what, we know that we don't have these sexually transmitted infections. We don't feel it's necessary for our baby to have this. We don't want to interfere Um, blur their vision when they're trying to bond with us so again there's so many different sides that you can look at I totally get why parents would choose to have it done I also completely understand why somebody would choose to decline it
0: yeah so reason that a mom would choose not to have it done is like you said that it can kind of blind that vision a little bit for I shouldn't say blind it can kind of cloud that vision a little bit Um, so for some of that bonding for mom and baby and then on the flip side if for some reason mom or dad does have this there's some kind of active outbreak and it gets in the eyes it can cause blind for baby.
1: We wanted to talk about washing your baby for a minute because this is one a lot of people don't actually know about. So this is cool. So studies have come out showing that if you wash a baby within 24 hours of birth, that can actually make it more difficult for that baby to regulate their body temperature on their own.
0: And their blood sugar. Um, And actually, we find that doctors actually now recommend waiting 48 hours. Maybe your doctor doesn't, but generally, um, across the board, doctors are saying, if we can wait 48 hours and longer, that that is the recommendation. I think World Health Organization says you should not wash a baby before 24 hours. Um, We do find sometimes that it happens though, even here in Utah. So just being aware of that and your reasonings why and making sure to let them know you really shouldn't run into too much of a problem with that.
1: So why not get all that gunk off your baby aside from blood sugar regulation and body temperature regulation? Well, the kind of white cream cheesy looking stuff that they're covered in when they're born is called Vernix. And it's baby's natural defense um, when they're living in a water environment in your belly. It keeps their skin nice and soft and supple. It is an incredibly great moisturizer. I know this is going to sound crazy, you guys, but there are European skincare companies that actually have Vernix in some of their products, which sounds kind of like. How? How? Whose baby's giving it up?
0: In there with a butter knife scraping it <laughs> up. Excuse
1: me, man. I mean, is
0: this cow vernix? Pig, pr- like, where does. I don't Now know. I have to know. Now we're going to have to research it. Do I ladies. have to print? We'll link to it in this show. Oh, notes. I don't. I, it's not that I don't believe you. I'm extremely curious as to where this vernix <laughs> comes
1: from. Anyway, it's really great for their skin. So rather than try and rub it all off right away,
0: instead, you can just kind of massage it into their skin. It's great for skin. Okay, there's some other stuff that happens. We're not really going to get into too much of that now. Um, PKU is another test that they have. And if you want to learn more about that, join us in the in the birth course. Um, but we also have circumcision, which is typically done within the first 24 hours, specifically here in the United States. And we have an entire podcast episode about that. So again, we'll link to that in the show notes. Um, but hopefully this has been really interesting um, and informative for you. And again, as always, if you guys have any questions, bump us on instagram hit us up in the dms and we are happy to answer them
1: all right mamas we will be back with more tips and advice soon in the meantime be sure to subscribe so that you get notifications first about new episodes
0: and don't forget to head over to myessentialbirth.com for more information on the birth course and to join our online community serving pregnant mamas just like you